Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hey folks, before we start the show, I got to tell you about the after party. Every Friday, Kimberly Johnson and I record a fourth podcast, but this one is different from the usual Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday shows. The Friday After Party podcast is loaded with all the politics you want, while also including uncensored, completely obscene conversations about sex, drugs, movies, television, our personal lives, all the crap we can't get away with on the free show, and it's generating all kinds of comments and conversation on our Patreon page at bobseskashow.com. Don't miss out. Please help support this show by subscribing to our Friday After Party podcast for just $10 a month, plus you get two postmortem shows every week for that price. That's bobseskashow.com or just click the all caps Patreon link beneath the logo at bobseska.com. And now let the cartoons begin. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by bubblegenius.com. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, January 13, 2021, and this is the interview edition of the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. My guest is one of the most important broadcast journalists working today. The great Chris Hansen is here. You might remember Chris from his To Catch a Predator sting operations on Dateline NBC, in which Chris would nab sexual predators in the act of preying on underage girls. Now Chris is the host of a new podcast called Predators I've Caught. Link in the description at bobseska.com. He's also continuing his sting operations and more on his YouTube channel called Have a Seat with Chris Hansen. Meanwhile, if you like what you hear today, don't forget to subscribe to our bonus content at patreon.com slash show. Okay, let's talk with the great Chris Hansen. Right out of the shoot, it is so fortuitous that you guys got in contact with me about you being on the show because I've been a fan of your work forever now. And uh, in fact, there oh, were that's awesome. Thank you so much. Maybe a week before I got the email, we were talking about you <laughs> on my show and obviously in favorable oh. uh, light uh, for sure. And suddenly I get this email. I was like, are they monitoring my show? What's going on? But uh, <laughs> it's like Alexa, like Alexa, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, first and foremost, I got to thank you for scaring the living crap out of sexual predators and pedophiles for so many years. I mean, after a while, I'm sure many of those guys thought twice before showing up at a victim's house, knowing that you could be standing in the kitchen with a plate of cookies. I mean, did you ever consider yourself a deterrent as well as a broadcast journalist? 
journalist? Well, I think so. I think what we did, Bob, was create a dialogue that didn't exist before and, and certainly an awareness that didn't exist before, which I, I think was great and, and very powerful. Yeah. But I got to tell you, we were out just a couple weeks ago in Michigan on a predator's day. And once again, we had a guy show up who was a prison guard. We had a guy who worked for the state of Michigan who had been in the governor's mansion. We had a police officer from Lebanon, a, a, wow. you know, an engineer. It just, it keeps on going. So you're still doing the stings. Are you doing this for uh, one of your online platforms or where is this happening now? We are doing it on the YouTube channel. I have a seat ah. with Chris Hansen, and we're in discussions right now with uh, a couple of different television networks about uh, uh, putting the show together. And we've expanded it. You know, it, when we started, I, gosh, 16 years ago, it's unbelievable to, mm. to think about it that way. Um, you know, it was, it was conceived as a one-off story for Dateline, and we continued to do it and sort of became its own entity, and then we did it again a few years back, uh, Hanson versus Predator, and that aired on the syndicated show I was doing at the time, Crime Watch Daily, and now we have it on the, the YouTube channel, and you know it'll end up on television again. But we're, we're we're really working a little bit more closely now with law enforcement in that um, you know we can we can provide a bit of a service in a way yeah. to you know go into a town, monitor these investigations, uh, have a parallel investigation. And again, not only see a measure of justice being served on, on guys who are involved in this activity, but also, you know, show people how this works, take them inside of the crime. They see things they wouldn't normally see. They hear things they wouldn't normally hear. And people like that, you know, like to be in, whether it's that crime or so many of the others we continue to cover. It's a fascinating balance that you draw with those stings, Chris, because on one hand, they're so incredibly important. And to see that going down, I mean, as I said at the top, it must have put the fear of God into a lot of these guys who were planning on preying on some victim along the line. But on top of that, there was kind of a a little tinge of dark humor about it, too. There was something that was weirdly and extraordinarily bizarre <laughs> about some of the uh, predators who you would end up confronting and they would show up often in some form of undress, maybe completely naked, maybe just wearing a towel. And there was always that level of, Oh, hi, here we are. In fact, I, I always loved it when you said, what do you think you're doing here? <laughs> Just almost like you oh, were yeah. the, you were the victim's dad standing there in the kitchen getting ready to accost this uh, this criminal. I think in some situations, Bob, you're right. I think I think they really did think I, I might have been the mad dad at, at, at some point. And you talk about a guy walking in naked, and mm -hmm. you know one of the reasons we decided to do the podcast, Predators I've Caught, is to go back and you know get inside some of these um investigations some of these cases in a way that you know we've never done before i mean yeah. what was i thinking at the time not just what the predator was thinking and what has happened to these guys since then in fact i'm going in the studio tomorrow to record one of the episodes involving one of the naked guys marvin wow who, who has a incredible backstory and you know now looking at it doing new investigations but looking back at the the ones we've already done it gives you that that sense of perspective that just understanding if you can understand why these guys do what they do and it's it's been it's been fascinating for me 
to go back and say, okay, where is the rabbi today? Where is so-and-so today? What happened? You know, how did this impact their lives? What was the collateral damage to them? Yeah. You know, because not just is there a danger to a young person, if we're not there doing the sting and a young 13, 14, 15 year old girl is, you know, what's going to happen then? So that's number one. Number two, you see this collateral damage occur with the predator's family yeah. and, and their lives. And, and that's a fascinating area for exploration as well. And then it would be such a, a great uh, denouement to the whole thing when they would dash outside and the cops were waiting for them to tackle them to the ground. There was something that was immensely satisfying about that. Was there a particular predator you were uh, happy to have caught? Someone who was so heinous uh, that you, maybe you found out later, maybe you, you knew going in that you're like, okay, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting this guy. Well, I think, Bob, that's about a hundred weight tie for first. I mean, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I figured I was, I was pleased to catch, catch them all. I yeah. 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 That, that got away probably that uh, you wish you would have caught. But I, I remember one particularly heinous case that occurred in Fort Myers, Florida. Wow. And, um, it was a Sunday, and it was the last day of the, the investigation. The last guy anticipated to arrive, and he shows up, and he pulls up in a you know blue-green SUV, hmm. and we're watching on the monitors, and he goes back to the driver's side passenger door. And I'm thinking, well, he's going to get you know pizzas out or beer or something and yeah. come on into the house. He gets his toddler son out of a car seat, and proceeds to walk up the driveway with the, the young boy uh, holding hands. Oh, my God. And so now I've got to make a pretty quick decision here as to, okay, this isn't just a traditional thing. It's not just some guy who's here to violate a kid. There's, there's an innocent bystander along for the ride here, and what do we do? And so, you, you know, you scramble pretty quickly, and obviously the, the Fort Myers Police Department is, you know, in their command post trying to have the same, uh, you know, mental discussion on what to do. And so he walked in and I said, you know, the only thing I could think of, which was, you know why you're here. I know why you're here. Um, I'm not going to go through all this with you in front of your child, but it'd be best if you left. And thankfully the, the Fort Myers police department was on the ball as mm -hmm. you'd expect. And a female officer, you know, uh, took custody of the child very gently and, and the man was arrested. They, they worked it out from there, but the backstory there again is fascinating and something that's never been told. And, and, you know, one of the upcoming cases on the podcast as well. Going back to the theme of the podcast and listening to this story that you just told, it seems like the way you're approaching the podcast is extraordinarily important insofar as oftentimes with broadcast journalism, the stories that you do can sometimes be disposable. Like it goes on the air, people make a mental note of it, they watch it, they're entertained, they're informed, but then you move on with life and you kind of forget about some of these predators and their mo but with this show compiling and retelling them retelling these sting operations that you were involved with seems like it gives it a whole new life especially now whatever it is 20 years down the road in some cases is that part of the uh, the reason for this is that to kind of rekindle well, that awareness you're, you're absolutely right um and it is and it's been a uh, really kind of a, a journey for me uh, intellectually and emotionally to go back through and relive this because every time 
I dig back into one of these cases and I experienced some of this, you know, back when I wrote the, the book about the predator investigations, um, you know, you relive it yourself. You have that same tension in your body, that same, uh, you know, trying to focus and watch the guy's hands and mm-hmm. think of, you know, coherent questions and, and, you know, look, anybody can jump out of the bushes and scare somebody and get 10 seconds of dramatic video. The yeah. goal is, and always was with the predator investigations is to, to get these guys to talk to you, to get inside their heads, to understand as best as possible what makes them tick. And if you can do that, and if you can then hear the voice of a victim and understand the damage that that criminal could have done, mm-hmm. then you can better prevent other people from becoming victims. And especially now, when you think about you know, being in a pandemic and kids are learning remotely and being entertained online and parents are busy working remotely, the, the, the activity online has got to be at an all-time high and at all-time yeah. intensity. Uh, and, and, and the predators know this. Mm-hmm. And so the, the exposure rate is, is very alarming if you're not monitoring your kids and keeping an eye on their activities online. It seems like it's not going away, especially online. In fact, um, some time ago, and I'm obviously not a child, but I'm still getting phishing emails all over the place. I mean, I'm getting those scams and getting hit with them. And in fact, one of the more recent ones I've been receiving, and they're the same every single time. It's the one where they say that they have video of you jerking off to some sort of uh, porn website, and then they're going to release the video to everyone you know unless you pay their Bitcoin account or something like that. And I, of course, I'm looking at this and I'm going, well, this is an obvious scam. I mean, to me, I've been online since 1997 or something like that, so I'm aware of all this crap. But I can't even imagine, Chris, people who are brand new to the internet, who maybe just got their first iPhone or their first computer, whether it's a kid or whether it's a, an older person, not knowing the the ground rules. I mean, do you see that the lack of awareness, but maybe someone who hasn't seen uh, your reports back in the day, or certainly hasn't heard your uh, podcast now uh, or watched your YouTube channel, they're completely unaware. I, you know, sometimes I think there needs to be like a driver's ed course for using the internet that everyone needs to well, take before they go online. It's a, it's a perfect storm, Bob, if yeah. you consider the, you know, the potential desperation of people to be social, to have some connection that makes them vulnerable. You've got more exposure online. You've got the anonymity, the addictive nature to it, and the 24-hour access. Right, I mean, right. What does that add up to? It adds up to a lot of people being very vulnerable to being targeted by predators of all sorts, whether it's kids online being targeted by sexual predators, whether it's the elderly being targeted by scams. I mean, even in my own family, you know, um, my extended family, you know, I've been an investigative crime reporter for 40 years, 40 years. And I still get calls from, you know, an aunt or an uncle or an in-law saying, well, I got this call and they said my, my system has been breached and I have to call with $149. I mean, my mom got scammed a few years back oh, by somebody who claimed it. And she said, she said to the fellow, she said, uh, you know, my son's an investigative reporter. This better not be a scam. And, you know, we fixed it and got the money back and all that. But they, they, it was one of those, you know, computer screen freeze lockups and there's been a breach and you need to give us whatever amount of money, give us a credit card right now to, to, to get it fixed. And, you know, of course it all, all got, all got, fixed up, but it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, anybody can get taken if they take their eye off the ball from it. It's not, it's not being stupid. Yeah. It's just not thinking like a criminal. You know, you, you don't expect to be taken. 
That's why that's why predators and scam artists get away with this stuff because folks are generally trusting and vulnerable. Are you wondering out loud at any point why isn't there more being done to uh, prevent these online predators from doing what they're doing? I mean, beside your podcast, it seems like there should be more, shouldn't there? Um, but there isn't, right? Well, I think law enforcement is, is, is doing the best it can. I mean, imagine the plate of any police department or sheriff's department or any federal agency in the midst of a pandemic where yeah. your own forces is suffering from, from COVID-19, where you've got potentially civil unrest in your area your community. And then you've got to, you know, investigate felonies, serious felonies, and then you have to monitor internet crime. I mean, mm -hmm. that's why law enforcement agencies around the country will um, partner with us on some of these investigations because they, they see the, the deterrent that we can bring with the exposure. Um, you know, justice will be served in these cases and we get the message out. And people people watch it. I mean, it's it's important stuff. I mean, granted, there, there's there's a there there is an entertainment value to it. I mean, people want to see you go sure. get the bad guys, but that's with any sort of enterprise or investigative reporting. But you know, it, it's not that 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 nobody wants to put an end to the crime. It's just that the internet is of such a ubiquitous nature that you can't. It's impossible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember doing a story on on Nigerian scammers. Oh yes. years ago at Dateline, mm -hmm. and and it, it it aired again just recently on on, on uh, Oprah Winfrey Network, and, and people are talking about it again. But it literally, Bob, to do that one story took, you know, a team of producers and myself nine ten months to smoke these guys out to the point where we could confront them, put a face on this crime. And, and, and create a deterrent. I mean, you can't spend eight or 10 months on every single story, you know? And so that's why it's so hard to expose. I mean, that one was, you know, really something. I mean, we had to get lucky. We had to find stuff. We, we had to do uh, a lot of things had to go right for us. And, and it did. And it was compelling and amazing. But, um, you know, it, it's not always so easy. And that's why I think that the predator stories are so fascinating to people because we do infiltrate the crime. We take people yeah. inside of it. If I was just going to talk anecdotally about, you know, some sad stories about some kids who got abused and, and victimized online, that's important. And we would do that, but not, it, it doesn't resonate with people in the way that this sort of enterprise reporting does. And, and that's why we continue to do it. Yeah. In fact, the uh, Nigerian Prince story that you did, that was the topic that we were talking about on my show, like a week before we got your email about the podcast and coming on this show and so on. So that's a, uh, Again, weird serendipity between us, Chris. I don't know what's going on in the universe that I could say. <laughs> we're connected along those lines. But I found that report to be utterly fascinating because I don't think anyone else had exposed up until that point what the story was with the Nigerian prince emails that everyone was getting about. Oh, yeah, you're going to you're if you give us your checking account number, we're going to send you a million dollars or 15 million dollars or whatever it was. And. I imagine that scam, even after that groundbreaking report that you did, I imagine that scam still works because it's still got to be going around. I mean, do you still hear reports of people getting suckered well, by the Nigerian print scam? We do, and, and there are various forms of it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and they're, they're very good. It, it's, it's the same you know, scam that uh, people were doing uh, 50 years ago at the bus station trying to sell the tractor to the yeah. you know, to, 
to the to the farmer who just arrived in town or the future farmer. You know, it, it's the same confidence scam. You, it's it's a bait and switch. It's getting somebody to believe your story and and thinking they'll make money. And in this case, we knew there were scammers, and we we set it up. You know, we hit the we had the honeypot all set, and they thought they were going to get rich, and, and yeah. we had them we controlled the environment and. And, but a lot went into it, you know. I mean, it, it, it's gotten to the point with the federal government now, with the FBI, which uh, uh, investigates a lot of these cases. They can't spend eight, nine months on one scam, even yeah. if somebody did get hurt. I remember giving a speech years ago at uh, at the Attorney General's conference in Connecticut, and the, the chief and the, the assistant chief of the Fairfield Police Department came to me and said, look, we've got this case, we saw what you did, and they basically handed me you know, a gift box, you know, with a bow on it of a case where a woman lost $250,000. And we, because we knew and had experience in that area and, you know, the victims were all willing to talk that we were able to expose it. We actually found the Nigerian scammers working out of South Carolina, but we couldn't have done that without the earlier experience and a lot of experienced producers working on it, tracking and investigating it and figuring out where these guys were so we could expose them. But you know, we were able to replicate it a few times, but it's it's not an easy crime to investigate. Yeah, you know, fast forward to uh, the past several years where you've got uh, state actors like Russia, who's also engaged in using similar phishing scams in order to hack into the federal government. We've seen a, a conga line of these news stories come down where the State Department's been hacked, or DOD's been hacked, Justice Department's been, been hacked, uh, on down the line. And it's mostly because of similar phishing scams uh, that you can kind of trace back to the Nigerian prince scam. It's the same sort of thing, you know, people being deceived well, by... Just, it's, it's just more sophisticated. I mean, I mean there are entire divisions of, of uh, you know, the Russian government and other foreign actors, mm. you know, committed to, to uh, breaching our, our security systems. And, yeah. you know, our intelligence does it, does it back, uh, you know, for some legitimate reasons too. But... You know, the damage that this can cause when you think about interference in an election or even just a misinformation campaign. Yeah. You know, if you, if, if you are well studied and understand how to use bots and activate bots and put a rumor out there, I mean, you can do a lot of damage online. And I've watched it. I've yeah. experienced it. I've had it you know, done to me at a lower level. And, and you know, these people can, can unleash a torrent of nonsense. And, and a misinformation campaign mm-hmm. that you know can live out there forever. Now, most people, anybody who knows you is going to know better, and every, anybody who's worked with you or, or knows you from television and your work will know better, but it, it can very easily be done. And it's the same sort of thing that the Russians did in 2016 that they attempted oh, yeah. to do again in, in this particular election. And, and it's, 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 it's vexing because you don't want to you know, curtail people's First Amendment rights online. You want to be able to have free speech. But at the same time, and there's going to be a very big call to reckoning on the parts of uh, social media platforms, uh, YouTube, Twitter, uh, especially, on what are you doing to police your own operations? And we saw the controversy in in, uh, President Trump losing his Twitter Mm -hmm. account. And I've watched others, you know, do things and and get uh, suspended and... and, uh, banned from Twitter in the past, yeah. but it's, it's, it's a vexing issue. And I think this whole issue of two thirty is going to be something that we're grappling with. I'm about to break a story in the next couple of weeks on, on uh, one of the social media platforms that, you know, about access and, yeah. and the responsibility of, of, you know, controlling revenge porn and child porn and the distribution of it. It's, it's a, it's a big, big, 
big story and a big issue. Maybe you can explain the uh, the upsides and the downsides of uh, Section 230 and um, how it uh, applies to sexual predators, how it applies to, as you were saying, revenge porn and so on. Because uh, I think there's a lot of confusion in terms of what exactly Section 230 is and you know whether there's a, a downside to it being repealed or an upside to it being repealed, uh, depending on uh, who you ask. Well, essentially... It's essentially what it does, and I'm not a legal expert in this field, but essentially what it does is protect the social media platforms uh, from being sued or held liable about something someone says on the platform. Um, this all being geared toward providing the platform for freedom of speech. Yeah. So it's a First Amendment issue. You're providing a platform. People are responsible themselves for what they say and do and the truth and veracity of those statements. Um, there are those who think that, that the social media platform, that YouTube, for instance, should be held accountable for a, a, a content creator who uh, harasses people or who says slanderous things about people and, and what action should they take. And so far, YouTube has been you know, reticent to, to take action against somebody who's conducting themselves in this way until and unless there are actual criminal charges filed. So these people get away with a lot of these misinformation campaigns and get a lot, uh, they get away with a lot of the harassment, a lot of very graphic content because it's a free for all and it's, it's the wild, wild west. Now, listen, I'll be the first one to fight for the, the first amendment. I've done it to, Yep. Uh, on many occasions, and I make my living by uh, having free speech. But at some point, there's going to be a day of reckoning for all of these, uh, and, and Twitter and YouTube seem to be right on the top of the list, of what you allow to go on your platforms. Yep. And at what level do you, do you trigger the alarm and say, that's you know we're censoring this, we're taking this down. I mean, the reason why so many people love YouTube is it's, it's, it's instant access. Right. You can get on and say and do what you want. You have your own network and your own station and, and channel and and people can choose to watch you or not. And if you're bad, they can they can block you and they can report you. And stuff happens when they do it. If you if you violate uh, um, copyright laws, they'll, they'll go after you. But it's 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 unevenly, in my opinion, in my experience, it's unevenly um, uh, enforced. Yeah, and you know, I've wanted to sit down and have an interview with uh, the CEO of YouTube on a numerous occasions. They've not agreed to it, but you know, again, some of these some of these issues are going to be pushed forward by civil suits in the very near future. Yeah, it's immensely frustrating, uh, especially with the social media platforms, where it seems like some of their enforcement uh, against violations of their terms of service tends to be a little bit arbitrary. I, I mean, I know people who uh, have been able to get away with all kinds of horrible things, while other people. Maybe. In fact, I, I heard of a story where someone used the phrase white trash bag to describe where they're putting their garbage. <laughs> you know? And Facebook caught the white trash part and suspended them for right. whatever it was, 24 hours or a week or whatever the punishment was, where the algorithm is just picking out the wrong crap. It's not really focused on. Well, that, that yeah. happens if you yeah. use if you, were, you use the word predator, it triggers one of the algorithms. But I can tell you on the other side of it, and in fact, our new series on Discovery Plus called Onision in Real Life is rolling out as we speak on Discovery's new streaming platform. Mm. Um, we explore. Uh, allegations against a uh, YouTube content creator, Gregory James Jackson, who goes by the name of Onision on YouTube, 
who is alleged to have been abusing young women fans. Uh, he's known as the R. Kelly YouTube for, for years. Mm. And, you know, he's still on the platform. I mean, people are watching him now because of the, you know, the shocking uh, allegations that are in this, uh, in this piece that the Discovery Plus has out right now. And, you know, people will be able to look at this and piece it all together. But again, it's really the first television look at uh, what goes on uh, inside the YouTube world in a meaningful, investigative, um, really enterprising way. And I think people are going to be really blown away when they see it. You know, you mentioned earlier about uh, disinformation online, and obviously that was a big deal, uh, certainly throughout the past four years, going back to the 2016 election and so on, the prevalence of the Internet Research Agency, in particular in St. Petersburg, spreading this disinformation all over social media. And finally, after it's too late, of course, the social media platforms catching up and uh, and slowing that, or at least uh, trying to stop the flow as much as they can. Um, is that a particular area that you're going to kind of be focused on as well, maybe with your YouTube channel? Because that seems like that's the new platform for pumping this disinformation into the bloodstream of the American discourse is its own form of predatory behavior. Is that something that you're also targeting? Absolutely. We're, we're looking at that right now. In fact, um, you know, in the next few weeks, um, I'm going to have access to a, a legal case that's going to be filed, and uh, it's going to deal with that issue as well as the responsibility of social media platforms to police uh, and detect illegal activity, the transmission of child porn, and you know harassment on, on when it becomes very severe, uh, severe and, and criminal. In fact, mm-hmm. um, and I think when when people see this case and see the victims and hear from the victims and, and uh, you know, obviously we'll go to the social media platforms involved to get their side and their take on it. Uh, I think, uh, I think people will be shocked to see, you know, not only that repeatedly this was reported, it was brought to the attention of the social media platforms and yet nothing was done in this in most extreme case. But yeah, that's, I, th- I think it's important. I think people need to know and I think people need to be aware and I think it's, it's an important discussion to have to engage people. And I'm not suggesting that these are, these are simple solutions here. Yeah. It's a thorny issue, right? Uh, but it's got a, it, it, the, the day of reckoning has got to come. It is coming. Okay, we'll get back to our conversation with Chris Hansen here in just a second. But first, just for my listeners, the Clean Phone, which is the top brand in UV sanitizing, is now offering their top-rated, top-selling, best-reviewed wand product at 50% off and free two-day shipping all for you. The Clean Phone wand is a handheld UV sanitizer that helps you eliminate 99.9% of bacteria and kill viruses in seconds on virtually any service. It uses the same proven sanitizing technology employed by hospitals. You can use it on packages, groceries, keyboards, tablets, money, your cat, if you want to. Take it with you everywhere at a 50% off and free two-day shipping for a limited time. It's the perfect gift for anyone who needs it. It's super portable with days of battery life. You can take it anywhere and make sure your environment is clean and safe. COVID cases are on the rise, so get the Clean Phone Wand at 50% off now and take 60% off a second wand. Go to thenewdealshop.com. That's thenewdealshop.com. 
Com. And everyone's making their New Year's resolutions right about now. And if you plan on making a fresh start for yourself in 2021, this is your time to shine. You might try reading a book, getting more exercise, or even try changing up your look. Well, here you go. Plexiderm can be the key to a refreshed new look for the new year by taking years off of your appearance, and it all just takes 10 minutes. Plexiderm, of course, is a clinically studied serum that gives your appearance the right kind of changes. Visibly reduce wrinkles, fine lines, even under eye bags in minutes. Plexiderm works Works on laugh lines too, number 11s and crow's feet. Take up to 10 years off your appearance in less than 10 minutes. You can try a six application trial pack for just $14.95 with free shipping when you visit buyplx.com slash voices or call 800-685-1292 and say the code voices. This order also comes with free shipping and a 30-day money-back guarantee. What more do you want? Make those wrinkles, lines, and under-eye bags disappear with Plexiderm. Visit buyplx.com voices. That's buyplx.com voices. Or call 800-685-1292 and say the code voices at checkout. Thank you. The Bob Seska Show. You know, one of the uh, areas I sometimes focus on just in my uh, reading, covering things for uh, whether it's my writing or my podcast or whatever, have you is performance enhancing drugs in professional sports namely professional cycling and the thing that i hear a lot no matter what sport it is no matter what area that uh, you happen to see steroid abuse happening is that the cheaters are always one step ahead of the regulators so in that sense are you ever strategizing in terms of what the next uh, method, what the next uh, uh, strategy is for online predators, trying to stay one step ahead of uh, online predators. You know, it's interesting you bring that up because you hit it right on the head. Think about it this way, Bob. When we started this, we did the first predator investigation in 2004. We nearly had decoys in chat rooms on AOL and Yahoo, Mm -hmm. right? So imagine the explosion and the opportunity uh, of predators to approach kids with so many more social media platforms today, you know, whether it's TikTok or Kick or Skip the Games or, you know, um, interactive video games. And there's more and more opportunity every day that goes by because there, there, there are just more venues for this to take place. So, yeah, so, you know, when you do an investigation, when you have a decoy, you know, of course, there's a child online just existing someplace. You have to know and and sort of sort of monitor these trends as to you know where the, where these people are going for all this, and it it it's it's a challenge because every week it seems there are new social media platforms, mm-hmm. new ways for predators to potentially approach kids. So it, it's a huge challenge. Have you started to focus on the dark web in particular, like as one of the prime hiding places for online predators? I can't even imagine the cornucopia of madness that you uh, observe in the dark web. Yeah, we, we haven't yet, but we're, we're about to, uh, you know, try to get inside the dark web because mm-hmm. I think, you know, it is graphic and, and uh, uh, shocking. Some of the things we've seen on you know, social media platforms has been, I am told, and I'm just beginning to get my arms around it, that people who are more expert at it than I am, that, that, you know, it's nothing compared to what goes on, mm-hmm. you know, on the dark web. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's in the not too distant future. We're, we're looking at that right now. We're going to, I've got some people who really know how to, you know, find their way around there. And we're going to, we're going to stay on top of that. It's going to be, 
I think it's going to be eye-opening. And it's really just, you know, it takes time to figure out, you know, how do you infiltrate that world? And I think we've finally gotten to the point where we can do it, number one. Number two, how do you turn it into television? Yeah. You know, how, how do you take the viewer inside that world? And we're working on that right now as well. I just I always love the idea of preying on the predators. That is just so great. I just love hearing those stories in terms of Oh yeah. As, as long as you know Chris Hansen is on it, <laughs> everything's gonna be okay. So let's well, go. It's, it's, it's about turning turning the tables, you know. Yeah. It's, it's it's turning the tables, creating awareness and, and a discussion that didn't uh, didn't take place before. So uh going back to the podcast, was there ever a sting that went horribly awry, Chris? Something that just went sideways and you're in the middle of it, cameras are rolling and then something horrible horrible happen we did um nothing really on the you know the actual location of the uh of the actual shoot itself i mean it was we had some challenges in georgia for instance where there was a fire and on the west coast and yahoo was down so we couldn't communicate in the chat rooms with the predators who were coming or communicate with any future potential predators so we actually just had to set the investigation aside for a week and come back and, and, mm. and continue. Um, you know, we, we keep it orchestrated so well and so controlled that typically we just don't have a lot of issues. You know, it's, it's, we've gotten pretty good at it from the very first one we did where, you know, law enforcement was not involved to, you know, the, the third one where we started to do an investigation parallel to law enforcement it's it, it, we've just gotten smarter so there's nothing really that's happened on the on the stage if you will while we do it we did have um an unfortunate incident where um a, a fellow who was an assistant district attorney a prosecutor in texas who was caught in this thing who um never showed up but who uh, in the in the opinion of law enforcement broke the law and um they went to go arrest him and he you know as a prosecutor um, knew he was in trouble and it also turned out later that he had child porn on his computer he chose to take his own life as opposed to face justice and that was unfortunate but that's really the only um the only time that we've seen something you know spin out of control because because you know we let law enforcement do what law enforcement does and then we we do what we do and we, we try not to we don't overstep our bounds and or, or our authorities so generally it goes very smoothly but part of what makes it unique and compelling is that we're, you know, obviously we push the limits. I mean, obviously we're, we're doing, if everybody could do it, it was easy. Everybody could do it, yeah. you know, and it's not, it's challenging. And, and you know, fortunately we've got the, the people who can, who can do it and know what they're doing and do it safely, responsibly and ethically. Well, and also it's dangerous for you, right? I mean, was there ever a sting operation where you thought you were going to be assaulted or you thought you were personally in danger? Uh, a couple times, I think it got close, you know, where I could see it in the guy's eyes or I could see him tense up or I could see, yeah. you know, uh, there's been a lunge or two over the years, but nothing, nothing where, you know, I couldn't step back or where security wasn't right there. I mean, remember, we have multiple layers of security that, that we don't even talk about for yeah. the obvious reasons, but it's, uh, I feel that, you know, for what it is, the, the you know, I'm as safe as you could possibly get and the team is as safe as you could possibly get. But yeah, I mean, you know, look, there's danger doing a man on the street interview. I, I joke all the time that in the last, you know, 20 years, at least reporting in this country, uh, the two times I almost got my ass kicked were <laughs> doing a story on, uh, on, uh, bicycle thieves and 
and one in a Connecticut mall on counterfeit Mofi uh, salesmen, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> with no security or one's with security, <laughs> whatnot. And, and those are, you know, those are cases, you, you know, you're just kind of, <laughs> okay, we're going to do the confrontation now. And, you know, it explodes into this, you know, violent fisticuffs, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and so it's, you know, but your predator, you know, never a scratch. <laughs> Was there ever one who got away uh, or as a as sort of a second question to this two-parter, was there a predator that you nabbed that eventually returned to their old tricks? So one that got away or one that uh, returned to doing what they were doing even after you guys were able to catch them? Well, yeah. In the very second investigation, there was a fellow who showed up naked, one of the naked guys, John Canelli. <laughs> I still remember screening, special guy 29. <laughs> and uh, walked, in the, walked in the house naked. Mm. And uh, he... I hear this, like, if that wasn't enough, you know, so we're all still in, you know, shock over, over what happened that evening. And the next day during the investigation, there's all this commotion in the, in the room where the decoys were operating upstairs. And I walked up, I said, what's going on? And he said, remember the guy who showed up naked last night? I said, well, hard to forget. He said, well, he's, he's back online talking to another decoy, posing as a young kid and they want to meet. I said, well, you know all right, set it up at the nearby McDonald's. So we go there and, <laughs> and uh, we see him pull up in his, his red pickup truck and he walks in and now I'm going to, you know, walk in and, and confront him. And uh, I, you know, I'm trying to think, okay, what, you know, let's get the question down here. And, and I said to him, the only thing I could remember, which we could only think of at the time, which is the truth, which is, you know, I've been in this business at the time, 24 years, and I've very seldom been at a loss for words, but I don't know what to ask you first. <laughs> You know, and then we had another fellow. We had another fellow in uh, California who showed up in Riverside, and I felt a little bit bad for the guy because he was. You could tell that he was. He wasn't a hundred percent, and and when he turned to to uh, he asked to use the restroom, mm-hmm. and uh, you could see that he had kind of a a scar on the side of his head, as if he had some sort of bad injury or maybe a surgery of some sort. He just, mm-hmm. he wasn't all together there. And so, you know, he was arrested, processed by law enforcement, but he didn't have a big role in that particular story. Yeah. And in that, in that particular investigation, we had like 51 guys show up in Riverside in, in one three day period. So he, he was shown, but it wasn't a big interrogation. So fast forward 60 days or so. And here's a guy, the same guy, shows up in a Long Beach, California investigation. Hmm. And I said, well, that, that's it. You show up twice, you're making the movie, you know. Yeah. And at the, then we find out, doing a background check, that he had been you know, in jail for a year for a violent assault. And, you know, you show up twice, you, you know, you're, you know, you're going to find out why. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, he wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer. But, you know, at the same point, that doesn't mean he didn't pose a danger to a child. You know, you think about, okay, what, what would have happened had we not been there and a, and a 13, 14 year old girl had been, well, there'd been trouble and he's got a yeah. violent criminal history. So yeah, that has to be exposed. Seems like there were a lot of morons who are engaged in this behavior. Is that the exception or the rule, Chris? Are they mostly idiots who don't know what they're doing ultimately, or are there clever ones who seem to be able to walk between the raindrops as the saying goes? We're, we're, we're going in the studio, as I said, uh, you know, a day from now. Yeah. And one of the predators I'm going to talk about is um, a, a doctor, a cancer doctor on the cutting age of the cancer cure, who is 40 years old, 
whose screen name was Tall Dreamy Doc, who showed up in an investigation in Petaluma, California. Wow. I mean, here's a guy who's, you know, an MD, big corporate job, and on a, you know, wife and kids, and on a Saturday, he's coming over to meet a, a, a teenage girl. And, Jesus. and, you know, there are teachers, and, and, you know, they said the doctor, the rabbi. I mean, so, yeah, for every dope who, you know, you sort of figure, well, he's, you know, he's just not the brightest guy in the world. That's why he got caught. There, there's a guy who is very bright who was, you know, into this for, uh, you know, for the same reason, but just got caught up in, in, in you know, the, 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 the pursuit of it mm-hmm. and the fulfillment of this fantasy that they had, which they, they um, used the Internet to, to, to fulfill do you ever dig into the pathology of this? Like, what drives a, a brain surgeon to throw aside all caution and then just pursue this criminal urge that uh, that he has uh, in this case? I mean, do you talk to psychologists about why they're doing this, why they're being this reckless? We have. And again, I'm not uh, a law enforcement officer or a therapist or psychiatrist I just play one on TV but the what they'll tell you is that you know it's not a simple one-size-fits-all diagnosis yeah. these guys come in in different shapes and forms and what we want in this society is you know a, an answer to it and either lock them all up because they can't be fixed or changed or or get them into the treatment program that'll fix them forever or give them the drug that'll make them stop doing this. And that's not how it works. In, in my experience, these guys break down into three different categories. There's the, the young guy who's socially inept and awkward, who knows he's doing wrong, but he's going to jump at the opportunity to have a, a sexual encounter with somebody who's young and vulnerable. Then you have a, a, a guy who is you know, just a hardcore pedophile. Yeah. He'd be doing this with uh, the internet or he'd be at the movie theater or trying to be a little league coach or mm. he would, he would fulfill this need in any way he had to do. They're broken for whatever reason and they can't be fixed. And then you've got this case of guys in the middle who have a, a predilection for, you know, wanting to be with a younger boy or girl, but wouldn't necessarily act out upon it if it wasn't for the internet, the 24 hour a day access, the, the addictive nature to it and the anonymity, because, you know, some of these guys start saying things online that they wouldn't say face to face, but suddenly, you know, it becomes acceptable. And the next thing you know, they're, they blur this line between fantasy and reality. They want to fulfill the fantasy and they're knocking at our door. Right. And that's when we see it. Well, the new podcast is called Predators I've Caught, hosted by the great Chris Hansen, available wherever you get your podcast. New episodes rolling out. Is it every week, Chris? It's, uh, we're going to do that every week, and the first one's out right now, and uh, it is on the Rabbi David K episode. It's available on Apple All right. Podcast right now. More to come. More to come. Links in the description. Thank you so much, Chris, for everything you've done. I, I can't wait to uh, listen to the podcast. And I thank you oh, again. <laughs> <laughs> thank you again for your thank time you, today. Please, please keep going. You're doing uh, amazing work, necessary work, mandatory work. Well, I promise I'll stick to it. And thanks again for having me on. I appreciate it, Bob. Thanks so much, Chris. Take care. Good luck. All right, Bob. Take care now. Bye-bye. Bye now.